managed to make that connection. Um, we talked to interesting people about their opinions and lives. It's just a nice chat because nice, proper chats with all the frillings is something I think we miss in today's society. So I'm Nick Hussey. I'm the founder of Fram and the idiot you hear on the podcast. And this week we have Anna Koska, who is an illustrator and artist, a mum and super, super cool person. I really, really enjoyed chatting to her and I wish I could have spent more time with her. Uh, it was a feral drive and I had to get back for my kids, but it was just just the right thing at the right time for me. Uh, a really solid, sorted, funny person, uh, very wise, who uh, at a time I'm really seeking chilling out, just nailed it for me. I think it's a really fun chat um, and I hope you enjoy it. anybody eating a slug but possibly slugs but it's more likely going to be small voles whose holes have been exposed or with a lot of rain that we've had it might even be worms that have come to the surface and there's look, look, look there's the other one are they a mating pair no mum and mum and uh, son or you know the other way around whatever sex they are it's parent and youngster wow um, so we are sat in Anna Koska's um, back garden watching buzzards flying around um, and uh, my dog Lily has finally found peace with one of Anna's dogs uh, Billy whose sex I keep getting wrong Billy is a lady and Billy's 12 months old she's a lurcher and then Ozzy no the other one's called Chewy and right. he's put his pipe and slippers firmly in place and he's hiding okay Ozzy oh dear Chewy is 12 years old and he's Jack Russell and he jumped straight into my car and, uh, and mobbed Lily. So it's all very cute. Um, there's a very, very old 17-year-old cat who I completely missed earlier and apparently there's lots of other animals. So it's very, very nice and idyllic and these buzzards are oh really close. Oh my God, they are. I'm so glad you're here to see this. Isn't that outrageous? So the top one there is literally <laughs> caught <the animals. laughs> Billy, shush. Lily, hush, hush, shush. So the top one there has caught the thermals, and the other one below is working her way or his way around to get up as high as the one that's leading the pack up there. And if my husband was here, he would say, yep, that's what we do in paragliding. Cool. What paragliders, paragliders can climb? They can. I mean, I've, I'm just starting out in paragliding. I've done half of my course so far so what I do is I'm absolutely over the moon and thrilled I catch a thermal but I don't know how I did it so my next half will be learning how I did it so what we do in this podcast is we just have a chat and we always start which is my strange predilection with uh, asking what used to be the thing I'd always ask in the pub which is what do you want how are you doing um and uh, we're not in a pub, we're in your back garden because mm -hmm. it's so lovely and um, I think a pub is a concept it is a concept around sociability and just having a chat and that chat can be about heavy stuff or light stuff or whatever but I think that's something that we all need and desire in our lives and we lose sometimes particularly in the city mm -hmm. um, both of us moved to the countryside now um, and so yeah, the pub is a concept about sociability it's I not like about it. getting pissed yeah, yeah. so um, what are you having, Anna? I'd like 
a cup of metaphorical tea that's literally overflowing with more experiences. And at 52 now, I want to make sure I cram as much in. It's quite unusual to hear a woman say her age so easily. In fact, it's quite unusual to say it here. Anyone say their age so easily. <laughs> I grew up where my mum... I mean, my mum is literally still 35. No, she's not literally still 35 because that would be weird. Plus. But <laughs> no, I, I, it doesn't bother me. I'm... Yeah, well, it is what it is. I've got wrinkles. I've got all the rest of it. And, it, you know... I think talking about it... The more you talk about it, the more easy it gets. But there's so much to tell us that we're past it beyond a certain age. And that's terribly tragic. And I'm determined not to feel past it in any shape or form. So it's more like a, you know, let's get comfortable. Let's talk about it. Are you enjoying being 51? Yes, I am. I'm really, genuinely, I'm not saying it to boost my own um, view of the years that have been in my 40s and 30s. But these years are so much more chilled. I'm much more comfortable in my skin than I used to be. Thirties and forties. Forties weren't so bad. Forties, I made a decision not to be so stressed about people um, not liking me, because I think in your twenties and thirties you're so keen Mm. not to be popular, but to not butt up against someone who doesn't like you, because that really worries you that you might not be liked. And come my 40s, I thought, oh, fuck this for a game of soldiers. You know, it really shouldn't matter. Sadly, it still did in my 40s. <laughs> because of this thing called social media, you're, you're presenting yourself. And whether you like it or not, you do get affected by people's feedback. Yeah. And now my 50s, it's like, oh, God, really, did I? But... I mean, I talk, I've talked about this in every podcast so far. It's, it's this very strange thing where if in a pub somebody came up to you and said, I don't like your art, because that's what you do, you're an illustrator. Yeah. Um, if people don't know. But if somebody said, I don't like your art and I don't like you, first of all, you'd be really shocked. And secondly, that would really <laughs> stay with you. Like, oh my God, they like they dislike me that much that they said they it's my actually face? got up and made a point of coming over to me. Yeah, it'd be quite unstable. But, but if actually. they just say it to you on social media, it still sticks with you. Um, it does, it does. It still has an effect. And um, I think this is one of the reasons that I want wanted to do podcasts we, so we talked quite a while before we started and it all felt like really good stuff for the podcast so I, I just thought I'd crack on but one of the things we're talking about is why I was doing a podcast and, and that is about having just normal flowing conversations mm. and and not and, and, and this pub is this this concept of a pub is this location mm. for podcasts and it's an important place to think of it as being in it's a community but, kind of thing it's, yeah, it's, but there are rules yeah. as yeah. well and a community in a bad way the rules are that people will oust you if you're not a christian or a muslim whatever community you're in yeah absolutely but also those rules are important because um there are certain boundaries you should have in relationships whether they're with strangers or or with people you know and Mm. much as i'm a sort of moderate liberal much as i like the thought of there being no boundaries at all (laughs) um if we we didn't have that we'd all end up killing each other um, yeah, there'd be too much said, and you can't take it back, unfortunately, as we've all learned. So, as usual, we jumped in, which is always a good sign. Um, the other thing is, how are you? Like, how are you properly at the moment? Properly? Um, Shut up, Lily. I'm in a, a place of ease, actually. 
Cool. I've got lots of crap going on. I've got um, the eldest is now at university, and I've got lots of friends, specifically girlfriends, saying, "Oh my God, your house—it's becoming empty." And um, yeah, there is that aspect. And I suppose to get your head around the fact that you don't have to make that quantity of food <laughs> um, each day does, on a very practical level, take a while to get used to. I still cook for five. A whole pack of fish fingers. Still fucking cook for five. <laughs> <laughs> um, but actually, no, I'm, I'm enjoying this transition. I've got my middle one who's starting her gap year. I've got my youngest, 15, who's at school. Who I just met. No, she's 18. Oh, OK. Yeah, yeah. she'll be delighted to hear that you thought she was 15. <laughs> already? <laughs> oh, my God, is that a problem already? <laughs> Believe me. There are, there are kids in her year or, you know, not necessarily her friends who are talking about liposuction and... So your son is 15? My son's 15. Right. OK. But at 18, there are kids in her year that are already worrying about boob jobs and wrinkles. Oh, it's bonkers. It is, but that's, you know, I'm pointing at our phones here. That is social media yeah. for you. And this is something else we talked about, is this sort of thing with social media where, you know, it, I still think we are finding the rule. I mean, with, everyone's talking about it a lot, mm. and especially parents about finding rules. Um, and, and we haven't found a happy medium yet. And I... I, so, for instance, I, I, I said on Twitter the other day, just I like asking people questions, getting responses. One was, what's your favourite social media platform or least favourite? And somebody said, Instagram. And I went, oh, no, no, Instagram's lovely. I really like Instagram. It's really nice and creative. And your, your Instagram's really it's nice. It's spiky, though. It has a, a really... But you, you go outside your bubble and suddenly it's, it's airbrushed, over-sexualised images from, of men and women. Yeah. Um unrealistic lifestyles and you know I, I go to the gym I actually one of those weird people actually really enjoys going to the gym but I go to the gym to work really hard and I get a real boost from that mm. and I go to the gym and I see a lot of younger guys I now go to a gym above a school where no guy under 40 would ever go because it's really uncool but it that has is, the same stuff so yeah, it doesn't matter yeah, yeah. Um, but my old gym was uh, was a university gym oh my and goodness it's a totally different ball game yeah so 18 to 22 year old blokes a lot of whom are elite athletes and they they're all pristine these guys are hairless which really freaks me out i mean that's just a generational thing <laughs> and they're all massive and that's it's a rugby university so but, yeah. but all, they're all massive even the ones who clearly aren't elite athletes are massive some are definitely taking performance enhancing drugs because yeah. there's no way they could look that yeah. like that otherwise and their hair is perfect and their beards are perfect. I have to ask. I have to ask a critical question. Right. You've mentioned their hair. Are we talking all over hair? Are Men are hairless now. that stand there in, just in their birthday suit, totally comfortable with offering people a full frontal view while <laughs> they stand there spraying after... Um, I think that's a jock thing. So I'm I'm not a jock and I no, used I to be embarrassed about... That, but are in, the, in, the, in the university gym... Was that how they were parading? Basically? Well, the, well, my the way I was going with that is is there are some blokes who are just you know alpha and want to yeah. wave their wang around because that's a thing they do and they were doing that when I I was a teenager as well mm. uh, and I was never one of those kids. Uh, I was I was kind of trying to get dressed underneath a towel in the corner, um, but uh, and also I, I, ironically, given the conversation, I used to shave my legs. So I was a racing cyclist. Of course. So so I was the shaved weirdo. Yeah. Like you're 15 right for ribbon. Absolutely. And you're in a school and you've got shaved legs. It's like what the fuck is that? <laughs> um, 
So that wasn't good. There's a certain irony that it's flipped the chest now, isn't there? So now men are hairless in like... I'm not, I'm not sort of saying, mate, can you just um, show me your bum, bum cheeks? I just want to check how far you... But I've had conversations <laughs> with blokes now. Like, now, most of the men I know um, go as hairless as they can. Wow. And I find that really weird. Wow, that's sad, actually. So I, that's actually really sad. Well, yeah. Not that I'm, a, not that I'm into hair. I just think it's... It's a, it's a, it's the fact that the focus is so internalised on worrying about that much hair. It's just the balance is wrong. So I'm not a particularly hairy man. I do, my wife does trim my back <laughs> once a month because I've, as I get older, I start getting hairy back. Um, but I, I have sort of, okay. Um, <laughs> but I definitely don't trim my bits and I definitely don't trim my bum. And <laughs> I've never had a Brazilian and the thought of that is so oh, humiliating. as well. But I have shaved my legs, but that was a sporting thing, I believe. But, but I just, but I think it's the, I, for me, it's the vanity. And I, I, I could be vain. I, I like to, you know, mm. have a decent haircut and wear nice clothes. Um, but, but for me, it's an overriding vanity. And what I'm trying to get my head around is, is this just the way the world has moved and I'm just behind it? Or is this part of now greater pressure on men to look fantastic? I think it's the latter. And it, that's what I think is so sad. But in a way, it's also becoming more and more critical because that pressure has been I think on women for an awfully long time and yeah. so far greater dare I say it it's actually the guys are now having that pressure and they're probably a bit more understanding about the ridiculous pressure that's been on us for hmm. you know since time immemorial really yeah definitely I, think, I, I wouldn't think... want it on anybody but it's, it's an equal understanding is no bad thing so, so this, to it can go two ways it can either be that men will empathise with women uh, and will, will together find a happier medium yeah. or everyone will just end up more vain and more sort of worrying about their image and it will just make everyone worse which is probably where we are right now is it's, it's going to get worse before it gets better I think you're right I think you're right I mean I'm looking at um, thinking of my kids in particular you know 20 and 18 the older ones and um, I'm not necessarily thinking of a social group but I'm talking about the Instagram group of that age level and I know that um it's all they worry about. And if my kids are exposed to that on a daily basis, mm. an hourly basis even, because everyone's flicking through, checking the phones, you've got WhatsApp, Snapchat, you've got Instagram. And invariably, it's very hard to remove yourself from that pressure. It used to be just the magazines you found in the doctor's surgery that used to flick through, but it's mm. now in your face. So it can't possibly get better before it hits peak bad. And I think we're heading up to peak bad first, sadly. Yeah. Oh, bugger. Um, now, I never explained this before the podcast starts, so everyone looks at me confused. You have to ask me the same questions. What am I, What are you having? How are you doing? Okay, we're sitting here in this metaphorical pub. Because, it's very because I don't, not because I need to answer the questions, no, necessarily, yeah. just because it's supposed to be a mutual thing, because that helps everyone. Sort of. Yeah, no, 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 I understand. I understand that. So we're sitting in this metaphorical pub with a beautiful view. The buzzers have gone now. And I know you've got a cup of tea in front of you, and I hope it was the right colour, by the way. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's sort of dark enough. Feel great. I'm asking you, what are you having? Um, so, I'd actually really like a frozen margarita. 
but I drove across the I drove from the southwest England to South East England, so I don't really want to do that. Um, I had and it would write off gin. the day. It, it would, but if I was to stuff you full of homemade bread and cheese, we could sort of pad you out internally. So hopefully, if I was to feed you a rhubarb gin and vodka around lunchtime, then you probably wouldn't necessarily feel the after effects. So we could That's go very there. I'm going. I'm going to skip it. But yeah. I. Um, uh, no, I. I pretty much don't drink now. One of the because I had a bit of a sort of cataclysm last year on, on my scale, not on a worldly scale. Um, I, so you reassess a lot of your life, and one of the things I reassessed over time, it took a while, because drinking, if you're really stressed out, drinking is quite a nice thing in the evenings to sort of chill you out. And But I was getting quite portly, and I also noticed that I was, when I drink, I, I just get very sullen. Yeah. So uh, I'm not a social, I'm not a... I'm not a happy drinker. Right. And neither okay. am I. I'm not a violent or, an, or, or a really weepy drinker. I just become very internalised and quiet and usually fall asleep, which is why I drank. But anyway, it wasn't a problem. My dad was an alcoholic. And it was a problem, so I was terrified. I've always been terrified of becoming an alcoholic, so I've yeah. always been quite moderate with my drinking. Anyway, a um, couple of drinks a night just sort of tuts up. So, so at the beginning of this year, not really a resolution, I just decided that was the time. I'd pretty much stopped drinking, and I probably drink three drinks a week. Mm-hmm. And what really freaked me out was the difference. I mean, it's really scary, the difference, because I just thought I might be a bit brighter in the evenings and might lose a little bit of weight but I I instantly lost a lot of weight mm. which I think was bloating mm. um, which is just a generic boring thing but what really was the difference was that suddenly my evenings became much more full because I wasn't zonked out but then the mornings because I get up early with my kids you know the mornings I was suddenly much more engaged with my kids I was much easier to get out of bed you know I felt much brighter and ready for the day like really really starkly different after what a couple a of days brilliant payback but it scared me because I just thought, oh my God, this, what is this stuff? <laughs> you know? <laughs> what does it do to you? Exactly. I know um, it does. Maybe it's a function of age. And I'm definitely not an- anti-alcohol. I mean, I've been a wine merchant and worked, worked in pubs and I've got a pub for my brand. But, um, but I just think, you were talking about your age. Hmm. And, you know, I'm 45, so I'm in sort of in a similar but not quite the same place as you in terms of my thinking mm. and what I'm getting to at the moment particularly in the last year is about moderation but not necessarily in a boring way so what I really want access to now what I'm really interested in is is in what gives me genuine joy and contentment mm. uh, whereas in before I think with my previous company for instance what I was chasing was was ambition and adrenaline and things that can also be quite toxic and that can go wrong so my sort of ages of nick man were 20s is who the hell am i uh i haven't quite worked that out yet but luckily i found my wife quite early in my 20s so that she really sort of was a great anchor for me because i was a bit lost Mm. and then 30s it's like go 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 energy career london earning money brilliant and just full on don't really care how hard it is I can do anything and then 40s is when coincided with having kids and having a lot of responsibility and then that also becoming quite difficult and eventually going wrong but also a bunch of stuff but basically at the 40s I'm just working out at the moment I think for me it's about 
uh, chilling the fuck out mm. Mm. and just sort of going you know what I don't need to be the most senior person I don't need to have the most money I don't need to you know these all sound like cliches of a lifestyle but it, they're cliches because they're probably true actually what's important and kids really punch you in the face with this is is love and affection and sociability and contentment and that's a really interesting word just go up finish my speech is i do tend to go off on one is that contentment doesn't have to be about happiness with a great big grin mm. it's just you said it being happy in your own skin and just going this is enough this is good mm. Mm. and i very rarely had that until recently because it was always grab 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 go 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 grow grow attack sure, attack sure um for whatever reason so it's so i'm i'm especially having moved to the countryside i'm probably much happier now i think my circumstances are more difficult but my brain is better wired so would you say that your approach to stuff is more um more considered you you think it through before you commit so for instance if someone's approaching you with a new i don't know a new idea or whatever it may be you definitely look at it with a lot more um thought and experience rather than going hell yes why well why about the details later i'm a real i was is a real yes person Mm. and that was where i got into trouble with volpine my own company was i just couldn't turn opportunities down you know let's go for it why not no we'll just you know more hours let's go for it we'll always find the energy somewhere yeah and especially when you've seen that the results of energy if you just keep working really really hard then things happen you know volpine wasn't didn't just you know the early days of that were which were the really amazing first couple of years two or three years were just built off grind and just you know don't ask don't get go 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 and the thing is you become addicted to that so you think that can always last yeah for sure but it was totally exhausting it was mentally and particularly physically exhausting on top of small children and so i stupidly didn't realize i had finite resources so you have to change the way you sort of think and do but i didn't really i I improved somewhat but it takes a massive sort of anvil on the head to sort of to have to stop because I'm I'm a very impatient doing sort of person anyway and I recognise that's just part of my personality and so you have to stop and you suddenly are quieter because you're depressed and you sort of go hang about what's I doing that for um, so now I'm still me I'm the same me but what I do is I have to force myself to be metered so I had a conversation with my partner in from Jason yesterday and we were laughing we were talking about various bits of bobs we talk two or three times a week and um oh and it's pointing out yeah. Lily just passed out at last well she oh, was until we looked at um so it, he he just he started laughing and I said okay what's what now and he said the thing about you Nick is you are go 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 exhaustion stop go 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 exhaustion stop person like you've always been like that how can we find a place where you're just you know steady <laughs> and i'd love to be that way so i'm trying to i guess what i'm i haven't got to yet but i'm hoping i'm getting to use this thing where i do a normal working week hang out with my kids and my wife and you know ride my bike and have a normal is, if there's such a thing a normal no, life there isn't i mean both mark and i um pretty much work for ourselves and um we've made that choice and with it comes the luxury of being able to drop things 
to pursue something for the day. For instance, if the weather's really nice and we haven't got phone calls to make and my paint's drying in the studio, we can go for a bike ride. We can do that. Mm. But with that means that there's, there's payback the other side because we've still got to do the stuff that we were meant to be doing. So um, our kids are all older now, a lot older. And um, Everyone says, oh, don't 95. worry, Nick, it gets worse. Oh. But it gets so much better as well because I mean our kids you get to sleep more you do absolutely do (laughs) we have to nudge them awake you know Flora this is um, an anomaly because she wakes up at 6.30, 7 o'clock and she's boing, get on my bicycle, off we go. She's amazing. But the other two, you have to literally prod them with a stick or wave some toast in front of them that to was actually me. get yeah. them out. They're proper teenagers. But, um, you know, it's not 95, it never will be. But mm. what you do find, what I found, is that you, you are able to expand time a bit more. Right the way you you're able to mold it and yes you know, the shit still hits the fan in a major way but because you know it's only you that you can blame you're not relying on anybody else to fix it therefore you don't have to wait for it to be fixed you can fix it yourself that's you know in, what i mean that's a really the more interesting involved, thing you said. The, the the more you tend to um, delegate the fixing job yeah and actually it's so much easier not to have too many people involved i that's a very interesting thing you said uh, i think Something like oh, there's some deer at the bottom of your garden. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, it's not. I have to just explain to the people who are listening. It's actually a field. <laughs> we don't have a garden. It just just we it just live continues. on the end of a field. Yeah, it's just a field. What? So what kind of deer are they? Oh my god! I think they're they're quite small. They are, but they're they are the roe deer, I think, and we right. get a herd that comes through pretty much daily. And if I can get up. You know, before six, they're there already munching. And as soon as the dogs come out, of course, it's the fun and games. Baby <laughs> is designed to take them out. Oh, my God. But she's just not interested. She just wants right. the... Oh, thank God. Um, she just wants the chase, and then she'll turn around when they disappear mm. and carry on. Otherwise, we'd have lost her a long time ago. I, um... We were talking about... So what I was going to come to was luck. So I used yeah. to... I always said you made made your own luck, um, and Which and I realised last year that to an extent luck can still sideswipe you, but you know I chose to grow a company that you know had high growth as you know as a sort of marker on the top and I chose to work very very hard which was bad for my health and that actually gives me a lot of comfort so you know my wife and I decided to start a company which is an inherently high risk thing to do we chose to borrow money to build that etc etc and it's not a sort of sub story it's it's the opposite is i i actually didn't have to recover from what happened because we lost you know it was really bad for our our setup our family but mm, mm. but i i never felt bad about that because i knew what we did you know we tried our best and it failed yeah and and that's what i suppose i mean by you make your own luck is you know we I, if I own my mistakes and I own my decisions, I, I just feel infinitely better about things. Whereas if a, you know, if a piano fell out of an aeroplane and and killed me now, and you're sort of sat there and you're going, what? Then I think most people. What am I saying? I think it's time for a break to muse on how badly I lose the plot here. Um, it's important to leave in the mistakes because. Life is full of them. Uh, chats are full of 
uh, dead ends and getting lost and coming back and I do sort of pull it back ish but anyway um, we'll continue in a second um, cup of tea gin and tonic see you in a sec tends to be on the real fringes so if you have a car accident you're driving above the speed limit yep you know that would be something you could own if you get <sighs> i don't know what am i trying to say i suppose what i've tried to do in the past so this is the other place is what i tend to do is i i constantly batten backs forwards between opinions and i think it's because i like to test the edges so my other opinion that is actually sooner or later something in life and things in in life have always sideswiped us you know somebody will die somebody will get cancer you know touch with god forbid anything like that happens but it's going to and that to an extent is luck and if you start saying that isn't luck because that person got cancer because they ate too much or they smoked or oh, whatever, oh, it's just so. Actually, what I'm doing, going back to the sort of working out where I stand in my mid forties thing, is actually it's this compromise, this moderation. Is okay, accept that you make your own luck to an extent, but you ought to accept that shit's just going to happen. And I had these very strongly held black and white views which I'm slowly sort of just moderating. So I'm sort of enjoying or getting into the process of moderating. Your control. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. Yeah, because, I mean, I think we all want to feel that, you know, as long as we keep our finger on the pulse, everything will be fine. And actually, as you've just pointed out, the shit does hit the fan. And sometimes, you know, with all the best in the world, you can't have held and kept every single plate spinning. So at some point, one's going to fall off. And, you know, I I gave a talk um, a couple of years back for the do lectures. Yeah, and it was They're a great. Oh, they are wonderful, aren't they? I've never been. Great. <laughs> because oh, time. I know it's always. The same. But I've got to sort that out. The whole time thing. But anyway, carry on. It's a revelatory kind of setup they've got. It's quite extraordinary. Yeah, but the, the talk was based on the fact that you know, I'm I make a lot of mistakes. I do cock it up a lot, and I probably try to spin too many plates. But I'm now, where I'm at now is, I used to really get cross about dropping the plates. Oh, I'm failure, look what I've done, I've cocked it up again. That was my 20s and 30s and yes, my 40s too. But now I'm getting comfortable in my skin. From what you're saying, I think it's pretty much the same thing, that it's okay, you can't have complete control all the time. All you can do is just spin them to the best of your ability and know that you've done it to the best of your ability because then if the shit does hit the fan, you can't... Regret. You can't say you can't regret because you know that you did your utmost to keep it going. Yeah. So yes, we all cock it up. I massively cock up. Most of the things I try my hand at. So what do you try your hand at? So tell me, t- tell. Well, in this conversation between us, but obviously we're aware that there's people going to listen. Hopefully, but um, <laughs> what do you do? I am a freelance illustrator. I also, on the side of that, which makes me no money at all, keep bees. Grow my own vegetables, um, occasionally pigs. We rear pigs, or I rear pigs. Where are the pigs eat. kept? There, there's an ark you can just oh, yeah. see over there yeah. that moves around, and that was a wonderful thing. I'll definitely do it again. Um, not for the public consumption in terms of Instagram, but it was a great learning curve for all of us. Lots of cock ups made pigs running right around 12 acres of woodland. We would they go for slaughter? They did go for slaughter. Yeah, Absolutely. And that was that for meat for you or for would you us. sell it? Right. Absolutely for us. And I um, butchered it. You butchered it? Mm. See, I'd really like to do that. 
Mm. So, I thought, well, my whole reason behind it was, mm. okay, the kids are all growing up, they all enjoy meat, we love a pack of bacon, it's synonymous, it's in vacuum, mm. little packs, and, mm. you know, we've got the lamb, we should take on some responsibility to educate, not just the kids, it's a very condescending thing to say, but for us, to be honest with you, because... It's very easy to nip along to the local farm shop and buy mm. something organic. <laughs> and little Bambi was fine. You know, we get Bambi running across. You've seen it. We also yeah. have a friend that comes in occasionally. You've got to kill it. It's got to die. Exactly. So, or mur- be murdered, as some might point it out. But that was one thing I did. And there was some cock-ups along the way. But, it, you know, the story ended happily. So, alongside lots of other things, I like to have a go at things which will earn me no money, but will earn me my own personal education so beekeeping is one of them raising pigs is another growing vegetables <laughs> something I swore I'd never do my parents used to do it because it's boring it's boring yeah. it's middle aged and it's boring um, learning to paraglide is another um, is cycling. that about challenging yourself yes okay. it's not um, it's not for the look who I am it's purely because it makes me so scared which is fun it is and so much could go wrong, but the kids are all old enough now, so don't have to worry about them not being able to... You know, there's always that. Cycling on a road around here, it's not very safe because people plough mm. along these tiny lanes, but I still want to do it. So there's, there's, there's risk and um, safety elements in everything you do. Risk-reward, you know, yeah. it's the thing we, investors would talk about. There's a balance, But absolutely. It's, it's the same with life always, and it is a real, real cliche. You yeah. hear it all the time, but yeah. I see it all the time you know you've got a risk oh, another cliche is you only regret the things you didn't try well there you go I don't want to be that old bird on my bed saying I wish I'd tried paragliding or you know wouldn't it have been lovely if I'd bothered to try stone carving or and I'm not going all out to become a renaissance woman but I really get a kick from learning new stuff yeah of course it's you know it's the thing I love about being an entrepreneur is there's always challenges there's always stuff you don't expect it's bloody hard and if it's not hard, it's probably, you know, you're not going to get anywhere. Mm. Um, but you, again, going back to that thing, you don't want to make it too hard. <laughs> You've got to find the There is know, a happy medium. medium. But going back to the pigs, so, some, so I've long wanted, in a weird way, to kill an animal that I eat. And it's not because I have some sort of weird bloodlust. It's mm. because I have this opinion that if you can't... So, so I've met people who don't want to... You just describe the meat in front of them as the animal. Mm. So I've met parents who say, "Don't call that a cow; it's beef." I'm like, "But it, but it is a cow." Oh, and you know, I, I, I really, slope. for whatever reason, really, really, really gets my goat. And I think that we need to respect the things we eat and respect where they came from and the, and what's been given to get there. Not in a religious way. I just, you know, it's another, it's another living being. Now, I eat meat and I have I don't have a moral issue with eating meat I do have a moral issue with the way something's reared Mm. Um, I don't want an animal to have I'm an animal lover as well and I can combine those two and other people as you say couldn't I have no problem with uh, vegans or vegetarians at all I think it's it's a perfectly valid opinion absolutely Um, and this is something else we can go on to if we get time is is you're allowed to have different opinions to still get on so uh, vegans, vegetarians, meat eaters. I can see the problem for vegans because what they must see meat eating meat as truly horrifying. Mm. And that is something difficult mm. to get around. Mm. Um, but I eat meat, but I eat meat. My moral stance is if I can't face that it died and how it died to get on my plate, and if I can't face it being butchered, I shouldn't be eating it. Mm. Then I'm a coward. Um, and... 
Now, I believe that legally you have to be qualified to kill animals. Oh, I didn't kill the pigs. I have to tell you that now. Okay. I think to slaughter an animal, you have to qualify to make sure, sure that it's slaughtered I'm properly. I'm sure. Absolutely. But to butcher it... So, for instance, I, I, so I, I gutted fish, I prepared fish, but that's pretty softcore. Um, butchering a... Have you butchered a pig, including re- removing its organs and its head and, yeah. and that sort of stuff? Yeah. Did you find it hard? I found it absolutely fascinating. Okay. But the, the, the transition from being pig rearer to pig cutter-upper was a very strange thing. On the day they left to go off the slaughterhouse, it was a very local, small one. I'd done a bit of research to find, make sure that they wouldn't have to travel too far. And within two days, these beautiful, big, black-eared pigs, they're called large blacks, amongst those who breed them, um, were in my local butcher, which is a bicycle ride away, which is what I did, cycled over. And he said, OK, I'll teach you what to do. And we both did a pig each. And my problem was, I thought I was going to see these pigs and I was going to go, holy fuck, they're black, they've got the faces. That's the very ear that I scratched. I walked into his cauldron and there were four halves of my pigs and they were pink. So suddenly that link was just removed enough for me to be able to lock away that emotional anthropomorphic aspect Mm. and see them now as meat for my family. Mm. And so from that point onwards... Did you need that differentiation? I did. I really did, because we'd had them for six and a half months Mm. and they'd been adorable. We'd said we'd never give them names, but Ellie, who you've just seen run off into the forest, she gave them names, Oswald and Harrison. And every day she'd go down and pet Oswald and Harrison and, and lie alongside them in the, you know, in the muddy grass. And so for her, it was, a, you know, she came round. Under no pressure from me, she came round to realise that, actually, you know what, if you're going to eat meat, this was the nicest way of doing it because they had the best life. Right. And the... The, dare I say it, the best death that I could find them. Hmm. And in terms of butchering them, with the hugest amount of respect, I felt that I was able to do that. And so after getting over that, it is fascinating because you're looking at these this this meat. It's no longer an animal. You've made that, that leap. And it's organic tissue. It's organic tissue. And then your A-level biology comes in to into play and you're thinking now why didn't they let me cut up a pig why was I limited to an earthworm Mm. and a rat I actually went the dogfish route because I was in Cornwall and my mum managed to get hold of a dogfish that's where you grew up a baby shark yeah and um, so that for me was um, fascinating so yeah it was brilliant I loved it I absolutely loved it and be very happy to do it again and I probably actually make a few different cuts because there was too much um, meat for roasting and not enough meat for charcuterie and I mm. really enjoyed using all the bits for charcuterie I are you a film lover or watcher yeah definitely a watcher have you watched Okja OKJA on Netflix no so so it was one of those films that got sort of brought up by Netflix so it's sort of lim- audience was limited to an extent and it's about a sort of giant pig that is uh, this incredible genetic species, artificial gen- genetic species that could be the ultimate pig because there's so much meat on it. Yep. And um, uh, and it's really beautiful and wonderful this relationship between the, the giant pig and Okia and the child in South Korea. And then it suddenly gear shifts and it ends up uh, in the USA. Mm. And there's a moment at the end, and I won't. It's not a spoiler. But basically, there's a really shocking moment at the end where you sort of get to the 
to Z in the journey. That's this it, pig. isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Um, Saved. And it really threw me as a meat eater, which I think was fantastic. I think I love that in films where they re- make you question things. I thought, oh shit, this, you know, it's, it's about slaughter and stuff like that. And, um, and then, I mean, Emma Lou, my wife, talked about it for quite a while. And, and what we decided, and hopefully this isn't post rationalization, but is that, uh, is that, first of all, that death was potentially pretty grim but secondly it was a a bad death but secondly Mm. um it was um that animal mostly had a great life apart from being chased around america but um (laughs) um, but 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 this really made us think very carefully about where we got our meat from so we Mm. we eat much less meat than we used to Mm. and we get our meat from a butcher who has discussed with us the provenance of that meat Mm. we don't get supermarket meat Mm. anymore and if we can't get um, good meat however you define that I suppose I am then um, we don't eat meat um, I haven't applied that to pubs though I've suddenly realised and eat meals out <laughs> I don't ask people where that meat comes from yeah. so that's a bit lazy but I don't know do you know it's difficult to be to adhere to your demands that you make on yourself in a public environment it's so easy and sometimes it's it's that I don't know if it's an age thing, but you just have to go. Okay, deep breath. Hmm. We can, you know, we don't have to win every internal battle. It's okay. And I think so. This leads neatly back to social media. Is um, is it feels at the moment like Twitter, particularly? So we're both on Twitter, and I know I've actually never met you till, till today, but I feel like you know. Sorry, never met you. Sat down properly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, we met in the past very briefly, but is um, we sort of know each other off Twitter and sort of shared interest in creativity and cycling, I assume. But 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 I've seen Twitter come from, at the beginning, a very lovely sort of just uh, it, it shared interests. Oh, aren't there interesting things in the world space to now being a very, very shouty? And and it seems, I, I strongly believe that you've got sort of trolls on both sides, whether you're left or right, whatever your opinion is, yeah. sort of screaming at each other in the middle of the majority of people who just either don't engage or just get on with other stuff. And in the past, I used to be someone who couldn't let things go. I'd always have yeah. to, you know, have intersect. Yeah. And so, for instance, you know, we got some pretty soft core um, trolls uh, with Volpine in the beginning. And I would actually answer everything. I would reply and go, actually, oh, this is the case. No, we don't do that. And I, I saw it as quite a positive thing. And if I was polite and explanatory, then I could bring people around. And people just said, you know what, Nick, this is below you. Like my friends would say, just leave it because it's never going to get better. And eventually, at the bigger you get it's just gonna get worse and then it got quite bad when volpine went pop and and what i did was i just ignored it it's lily climbs all you all over you that's because she can uh, smell the meat in my pocket oh uh, yeah so um so what i realized now is if you don't look at it it doesn't exist yeah there um, is that isn't there if you don't know the bear has had a shit in the woods basically um wow oh yes so i haven't you don't see kestrels in my neck of the woods in somerset um, well, I haven't yet, and it's interesting to see the difference. Um, and a big aeroplane off in the distance as well. We get a lot of those. We're in the Gatwick Highlight. Yeah. 
Um, still really quietly. It is. It's very nice. Um, carry on. Sorry to interrupt. No, not at all. I'm just meandering on about social media again. But I, I think just move Lily, though. There you go, Lily. So all four feet on the ground. It yeah. feels like the nice sort of most people are in the middle, and most people don't really want to shout at each other. It feels like those people are either not on social media, or if they are on social media, they're going to different places or are waiting to find a different place. And Twitter, it feels like, is sort of spiralling into this ludicrous sort of. I don't know. It does feel plastic. like plastic. It, it doesn't feel nearly as friendly. I don't know. I think I've been there for seven years, maybe more. Someone's going to tell me more, but it's um, it's not a kind place. We were going back to kindness again. Right. Kind, not clever, because I think we were talking about maybe off off, off the microphone. Yeah. And how easy it is to be very clever, and I think a lot of people to win, try to, and win, to win a little battle no matter mm. how small because their day doesn't feel like they're winning maybe and so they're on Twitter they yeah, it might pick be powerlessness or loneliness or whatever something. it is but it motivates them to have a, a rant mm. and to pick up on a tiny little fag end and usually they haven't bothered to find the trail of conversation prior so they're grabbing at this little short straw which really is a short straw because they're going to make themselves look very stupid because they're latching onto a fact and they're expanding on something which was wholly unrelated to the original conversation or post and um it's horrible i hate that element and i see it more often than anything and i'm i'm a proponent of good news because there isn't enough and i don't want to be bland and um blind about it but it'd be really nice not to you know flick onto twitter and see the 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 sewage outlet that it seems to be mm. at various times of the day. I uh, did a thing earlier this week. I just deleted all of the people I was following. And it wasn't because I didn't care about them. I just thought, you know, it's so hard to sort of pick out, oh, I may, maybe I'll unfollow them. And Because what I found was my feed inevitably just keeps getting filled with Trump and Ann Coulter and Katie Hopkins. And even though I blocked all these people to try and get rid of them, it They'll still comes still up. They'll still be there, yeah. And I don't need that in my life. It's taking up too much space in my head. Uh, you know, angry fuckwits, basically. Yeah, and it's not constructive or happy-making in any No, and it makes us feel like the world is going to shit. And actually, for some people, the world is going to shit. For the majority of us, when you look at the, you know, these grand worldwide statistics, yeah. there's much, much lower rate, rates of, um, uh, of child mortality, um, uh, much lower rates of the diseases that kill a lot of people. Um, uh, you know, people are dying older, um, there's higher rates of democracy and being able to vote and all, all the things, the big measures of how the world is going. Mm. And obviously there are, there are bigger issues and actually the biggest issue is for me climate change because that's the thing that is really going to fuck us but mm. because of the way people think um, we, we don't think long term we can't get a grasp on it whatever the reason is we're not concentrating on that what we're concentrating on is the very immediate media cycle mm. of we all hate each other mm. and so we're being distracted from the fact that actually most of us certainly if you're listening to this podcast you probably live a quite a nice life and we've all got shit to deal with mm. we all might know someone who's very Ill or have lost someone or something like that but but overall we're not going to war we're not getting called up to go and fight in Burma or Germany absolutely you know, the things that happen through most of human history we're, we're, we're buying DVDs and worrying about where to shop and but we're forgetting that because we think it's all fucked because there's so much shouting you know even if Brexit happens uh, we're still going to be okay 
not as well as we were probably but, um, <laughs> no. but anyway so this yeah. we've lost context and the context now is just this immediate screaming so so I, I just I'm trying to get my life to be more immediate and something you know I'm a real proponent of big hair fan of is is, um, is Headspace um, uh, you know which is an app and just it's a bit like sort of it's just stopping and breathing and realizing that all this crap that's around you is okay and that actually your kids being healthy and the fact you've got food on the table and that you live in a lovely place which i do at the moment you know are the most important things and you know being with someone as long as i have with emily these are incredible things that i'm very very lucky to have so i have to ask you the second question yeah how are you <laughs> i think i probably answered it in, in a lot of detail Another break. Um, as you can tell, I'm not a professional podcast host. I don't know if anyone... Well, I suppose you become one. And I hope that I get better. At the same time, a lot of the point behind these podcasts is to essentially push an agenda of just being ourselves. And I hope that comes across in the podcasts. And again, that means mistakes. I think that's sort of something I'm thinking about a lot in these intros this week. And... Um, I think it's a lot more genuine and a lot more fun that way. I think there's way too much sheen uh, in our society. And just recording it and then sticking a couple of breaks in uh, is simple and pleasant. So hopefully you agree. If you find all my ums and stutterings annoying, then obviously you just won't listen again. Um, And goodbye and thank you anyway. Okay, back to the action. So I interviewed Al Humphreys, the explorer, yeah. um, recently, and I wasn't in a great place, not mentally, just really exhausted. There's mm. an awful lot going on. Uh, and, and I was much less relaxed. I was quite edgy, and I think it come acro- comes across the podcast. But now it's very easy to be relaxed in this location. Um, but also... My wife is now working in Bristol instead of London, which makes a huge difference to the family and in terms mm, of sharing chores. And it's just suddenly the pressure valve has come off. So I'm, I'm, I'm in a very sort of steady thinking place at the moment because I'm really planning out the jackets that are just about to arrive. You know, God, I've got to do exciting. loads of stuff. Yeah, I, I mean, I, it's funny. I listen when I think about the podcast. I never talk about from and the jackets, and it's almost like this apologetic British thing about not wanting to, you know. Uh, well, no. So here sing we about are. that too much. Let's sing about it. Okay. Go on. Tell me how many you've had commissioned because you're doing it by commission only, aren't you? So we you? do it. No. So what I do is I make a hundred of each. Ah, okay. And then what I wanted to do was I thought, well. I used to sell thousands of jackets. Finding selling hundred, then I just stick them on pre-order, um, and then pre-order's gone really well. Um, might still sell someone when they just arrive. Mm. Don't know yet to see. But my problem is that I probably could have sold a lot, you know, all of them or a lot more. Who knows? But <laughs> the factory do exciting things. Like they went, oh, we saved you money, so we swapped the zips. Um, hey, that's exactly the whole ethos behind. Instead the of waiting jacket. for the YKK yeah, zips to God. turn up. But admittedly, I ordered like super specific YKK stainless steel yeah, laser. My cut husband has zips. a button on zips, and YKK are, as far as he's concerned, the ultimate. They're good. They're yeah. very good. So but when you say a hundred of each, are you yeah. about the same design? You're just seeing a hundred so, so lots, I, or they can be slightly different in seconds. So the first one is utility field jacket, which is like a sort of everything from September to sort of April um, do-it-all jacket for urban and countryside. And that I made a hundred of that. Once that's gone, it's gone. 
and, and this depressurizes this going back to my life and making things easier mm. is if you've got a if i order say the big sort of seller that got awards and ended up in the design museum oh no i'm selling now it's uh, it was the harrington rain jacket for alpine and we sold you know of thousand three thousand of those a year whatever and the problem is you've got to sell those and if you don't sell them you've got to get your cash back to buy more stock you know because you're on seasons and so you discount it and people start waiting for those discounts and you know i i was aware that we were doing it people were aware we were doing it and we talk about it we're all bonus and discount and eventually you just play the same game as all the other yeah for sure it's clothing a- companies mm-hmm. and you have to do that because if you're growing you don't know how much you're going to sell so you buy enough stock a little bit more stock than you think you're going to sell so you don't lose a sale the problem with that is you're always going to have stock you're probably going to have stock left over but i don't want that from i want to have um i want to know i've sold the stock mm-hmm. i want to sell it at full price i don't want to be discounting because then everything is predictable i know what my family's income is i know what's going to happen i know how much money i need to buy in the next set of jackets i don't have to get investment it's very very clear um and all this is predicated on the fact that I do actually sell 100 jackets. If I, if I sell 10, 10 jackets, I'm stuffed. Yeah. Um, but, but that looks like it's not simpler. happening. Oh it's all God. about simplicity. Absolutely. And that's the thing I learned from my previous company is yeah. it's all about simplicity. Find something you're really good at that's different and just nail that. And for me, just do that on, online because I'm good at e-commerce um, and I'm not good at wholesale. And we tried that. And, you know, that ended up being relatively disastrous because we're trying to do something we're not experts in. Um, So use your expertise and narrow focus on that expertise and do that. And and so I did that to the nth degree with Fram. And that's what I'd been thinking about, you know, this time last year, you know, for months was if I do this again, because I knew, even though I wasn't sure if I was, I knew I was going to do it again because I kind of had to. From a practical point of view, because I'd learned so much and from a personal point of view, I I'm really, well, I'm good at the marketing and the product. I clearly wasn't good at the rest because the company failed. But the, I knew that I could get better. I mean, it, it's bonkers how much I learned in that. You know, I, I think back to how green I was at the beginning of my first company. And, and it's just terrifying. But it's pure drive and conviction yeah. you can make it work. If you didn't have that, you would never start because... You, it's like I can remember somebody saying to me, the first person I ever looked, went to for advice, and they'd started their own clothing company, and they said, Nick, if you knew how hard it was, you wouldn't do it. And now I know what they mean, but now I think, okay, I'm going to make it less hard. It's still going to be difficult. It's still going to be hard work. It's still going to be scary. I can't get rid of some of those things, but I can mitigate it mm. so that mm. it doesn't, you know, have the... It's not as damaging on my family. It means I can actually see my kids. You know, it's not crazy for my marriage or for my mental health. So how do I do that? Simple, simple, simple. That's also a good business strategy. And what's great is with my partner, my business partner, Jason, you know, I, as I said, I speak to regularly, is he's a really good meter for that. He's very sensible, very grown up. He's di- different from me. He, he's really, he's much calmer than me. I'm a bit of a sort of... Uh, whirling dervish which is a good and a bad thing you know i get carried away and sometimes you just which can be a real asset you know if you really want to drive something sometimes you just need to stop so so jason is my sort of marker and he goes no that's a really good idea you should do that no stop why are you doing that think about that justify it jason yeah you do my wife is my (laughs) my jason she's always she was great because she'd give me the confidence to do the things i was good at and she'd she doesn't mess about if she thinks something a stupid idea she'll tell me um and i 
because I respect and I respect more for saying that, I listen to it. So I really respect Jason because he, he will give me the shit I deserve. So, you and Jason, <laughs> done the first jacket, sold them all. Pretty much. Good. Next design. Um, so the next design, thank you very much. One of no, my first I don't. Well, I want you <laughs> to do It feels like you're a stooge. No, 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 what I'm going to do is find a jacket that I can go, I can wear that, extra small, look good on me. Well, you're getting a jacket anyway. Well, no, sorry, no. you're not getting jackets. I don't make women's jackets. Sorry. Although no, you're welcome to wear one. No, but that's but what Mark say. I would... will get a jacket. <laughs> you don't have to, to do that. But what I'm saying is I wear a lot of men's clothes because... I've got quite wide shoulders and a non-existent backside, and they kind of... You're tall and slim. I'm not tall, but I am slim. You look tall. You're sat down there, <laughs> so I can't tell. I can't but I want... I mean, I, I tell you what I've always, always wanted is... Um, you're going to think this is really crazy. But I've always wanted and lusted after a well-made tweed jacket. Not baggy, ridiculous, but something that's fitted, mm. that I can... I can cycle with to the local pub so maybe it's vented here a little bit to allow you yeah. to reach around that I can equally get, equally get off and not look like I'm a cycling nerd wearing lycra, lycra. Yeah. I get teased at the local Quite tweed. lycra don't know or a material wool wool will be good it doesn't have to be tweed because you want a, a sort of trad yeah. traditional British look to it or? I do want a traditional British look I want to look like um you want to look like a 30s archetype of... Um, there you go, of cycling. Okay. Yeah. I don't want to necessarily wear plus fours and a little mm-hmm. careful metal grip around my right leg to stop the chain rubbing. Puppy and some daffodils in the, in the basket at the front? Definitely. I don't have a basket. It's You're not going to get that puppy in no. the basket. No, no, absolutely. Massive. But the jacket I'm still after. So it's interesting because I'm thinking about next steps so it tweed is really interesting because it's a lot of the fabrics that we've sort of given up on are actually performance fabrics mm. so i really like natural fibers mm. so the two jackets so utility rain jacket uh sorry utility oh, it's, the, <laughs> it's a product i used to make utility field jacket we're making for from is uh, waxed cotton but it's it's a washable waxed cotton so it's really practical you stick it in the washing machine yeah. and it's very very tough it's also breathable and it's rain resistant to a degree it's not waterproof but i really like that i actually like the word compromise because compromise gets you to a really useful place where you can use it for as much of stuff as possible yeah wider range but it's sure. real i really like the this sort of multi-use purpose of jackets i don't like fashion jackets that i can't wear um in the countryside and i don't like countryside jackets i can't wear to a meeting in london or whatever it might mm. be i like the mm-hmm. sort of in between place because i usually have one favorite jacket i just wear until it explodes sort of preferably years down the line so that's my sort of ethos but i also really like style but classic style and i really like it's a sort of british aesthetic was why i made a field jacket and the next one is a um uh, uh, oh no I haven't announced it yet so I'm not going to say it but it's different tell me later it does a different thing um, <laughs> so he's going to tell me later uh, so god I get myself in trouble and then uh, this is just this grand reveal that nobody cares about so and then next year we're going to make other jackets and they're all going to be jackets that do different things mm. for different purposes so mm-hmm. we're definitely going to make a fully waterproof jacket mm-hmm. um, and I want to make a really lightweight summer jacket um, I haven't thought about a tweed jacket and it, that's interesting it's just you the say. idea of using an English material that's been no, made like for it. centuries 
from a lo- you know from a mill and the for me it's, yeah, it's all about really the game it's, a bit, it's the game of finding the the small outfit that makes this material has been making it managed to survive for hundreds of years look at that did you see that was that a kestrel yes that's amazing what was it what do you think it was going for I have no idea whatever was perched on the side of the the edge of the wall there wow no idea yeah because it's quite flappy yeah. the kestrel yeah yeah whereas the uh, buzzard glides with huge sort oh, of brown elegance ones. great elegance and then there's a dragonfly whoop, there oh yeah does a thing entirely different amazing drone um, it's probably a drone so I look, like to try and make these things an hour how we're coming up for an hour um, Gosh. and so in a bit so I bought nice foods and I think you've got some nice foods as well we're just going to have a little yeah that sounds like a sense of idea picky lunch in, a, in the best way rumbling. but um, yeah cause, uh, my tummy's rumbling too and I've got to drive back okay so listen you have choices Somerset. you have choices if you've got three minutes to go we can either go and say hi to the bees or we can go up to the studio or we can just walk very slowly to the table to I, eat. I am. In those, these last minutes, I would like to talk about one subject, and I would, I would describe the bees and the studio, which I'd love to see, and hopefully I could take a couple of photos um, afterwards, because I always do an intro and outro. Um, I, I don't want it to be too much. But I just wanted, since we're here in, in a con- beautiful countryside location, so I live in a house on the edge of... Uh, Bath and Somerset, it's a very small garden but it's a fantastic location uh, because it's just very nice and I can ride straight out the door into the countryside on one side but I can get into Bath where to use the but but the biggest change negative change is I lost my business but the biggest positive change in my life over recent years is I moved to Somerset and I didn't realise how bad it was living in London until I left and there'll be a lot of London people who love London listening to this uh, and people feel they have to live in London but I we made a really scary difficult choice to move out of London and it's one of those things where we just thought you know what I'm talking about so much we probably should just do it and it, it it's probably the best thing that we've done part of my kids um, what am I trying to say? What, I suppose what I'm trying to say is, without pissing anyone off who lives in a city, is that it's fucking amazing living in the countryside. It is. It is. I can't imagine. <laughs> I love the aspect of I'm 45 minutes away by train into Victoria, and I can dip in, and I don't have to stay there. I can come home to this. Right. And the sanity. I love London. I used to live in London many, many years ago. But the one thing I really missed was the fact that... Um, I could just step out and enjoy life for free. It seemed that every weekend when I had no money, everyone else would bugger off out of London and have a fun time. Mm. And I'd be stuck inside my rental bedroom thinking, what the fuck am I supposed to do now? Everything Mm. costs money. There's parks, of course there's parks, but ah. So now I have the joy of appreciating London and being able to dip into it, but I don't have to commit to being there for a long time. And I adore it. I've got lots of gorgeous friends who are ardent supporters of a London life and I, I think it's great for them but it's so not for me Right? yeah and it's about personal choice and I so there were a number of factors that made us move out of London there were the obvious ones about just busyness and um, uh, just being it, it feels even more tiring it's expensive I mean we were basically paying 
we were just basically working to put our kids into childcare. Mm. And once you realise that, mm -hmm. when you do the maths, you go, oh my God, yeah, what yeah. are you doing? You know? Um, and it just, I started to lose faith in London. And, and there were, so what, one was we moved to an area we didn't really want to live in just to get my son into a school. And he didn't get into any schools because everyone else had the same idea because everyone's desperately rushing to the cheaper places to, sure. you know, to get sure. their kids in. And so I was like, oh my God, I might have to be making an hour's trip with my son on a train or a tube to get him into a school. No way. No way am I doing that. Um, it's not fair on him. It's not fair on us. This is bonkers. What on earth is going on? And the other two things were a bit more selfish was first I was diagnosed with asthma which and they said very very specifically and quite matter-of-factly and almost bored it's pollution it just it's pollution you're not there are no other factors which are causing you to have asthma we've done all the tests yeah you, you ride a bike to and from work it's pollution and i just thought it was horrifying i thought it was so matter-of-fact that's a really serious health risk i mean you know i ended up in hospital it's very black and white times. isn't it it's not like it might be and that just scared life at me. And we lived near a big motorway. So we were getting a lot, you know, you look at the pollution maps and we were right on the edge of it. And I thought, what about our kids? So that was a big factor. Mm. And the other one that really did for me was whenever I went to see my wife's family in Lancashire or, you know, wherever we go around the country, nobody would give me shit on a bike. I know that you've just said, you know, it can be a bit hairy around here, and I've experienced that particularly in the southeast. But, you know, and I don't want to sort of pin down areas, but in Somerset, I've never, ever had grief, mm. ever, for mm. riding a bike. And that really freaked me out. The first few months I was riding a bike in that Somerset, I could not believe it. And I can remember get, coming back from a short trip to Devon and having a really lovely time riding my bike and coming back. And the first ride I did... I had three incidents where three people tried to run me off the road. Like the father of two small children, you know, somebody trying to drive Literally their vehicle determined. into me on the same ride, which was two hours long. And I just thought, fuck this. Yeah. You know, what on earth is going on? What is this aggro? And I think it's just this boiling... Again, I don't want to slag off London, but, you know, it can be this boiling need to get to places because we're all so busy and we're mm -hmm. desperate to mm -hmm. grab time and, you know, to do things. And so common decency and, and empathy starts to get lost. And you see that on the tube, people jostling and pushing. And Your priorities have massively changed, absolutely. And you're, you're, at, the, um, you're at the mercy of someone who's in either a good mood or in a hurry. Most people, most drivers, and I'm a driver, you know, are really lovely and do care about cyclists. Mm. But you just get that, that little percentage. Instead of it being 0.5%, it becomes 5%. Yeah. Aggro. Yeah. And that's enough to make a difference and make it scary. Mm. And, and I've always been a very confident cyclist. Not because I'm good at it, just because I've done it for so long that I'm very comfortable on a bike. Mm. And I started to feel really edgy about being on mm -hmm. a bike. And I just thought, well, that's never happened to me before. You know, and that, and the cycling is such a big part of my life. I just thought, well, Also, you can't God. let your kids have to experience it. But the kids are a great opportunity to reassess one's personal values. And, yeah. you know, we all do it, of course. And as they reach each particular age and sort of phase of their growing up it, it really shakes you quite a lot because you realize that so much of what you've been predisposed to think and view is completely wrong mm. is out the window and you have to reconsider and that's okay that's all right i um i realize my phone is in the sun it'll probably explode in a second and stop working but um <laughs> i um used to take my son to nursery in the trailer on the back of my bike and then i'd ride my mountain bike 
to the office and on the way I'd have Lily in the back as well and I'd go over Wimbledon Common and she'd run alongside me and it was like the perfect commute I absolutely loved it take the boy take the dog you know live the cycling life as I'm supposed to you know with this company it's commute cycling company and then I just really bottled it because I just thought if a car hits that trailer Mm -hmm. oh my god I can't even though I'm you know determined not to be scared I can't allow that to happen totally different perspective I just had to stop Um, but now I don't have that and I take my kids in the trailer and uh, and bounce around so <laughs> my wife <laughs> is really embarrassed for me. She's like, Nick, you're a cyclist and your boy can't even ride a bike yet. So he, he, he just loves running. He's really good at running. He loves running and that's great. And he doesn't have the patience, the interest to particularly learn to ride a bike yet. And that's fine. So no, he's on stabilizers. And for me, that's cool. My daughter, who's just turned three, is really into it. And I get the feeling she'll do it quicker. But I guess something else I'm still learning, and you hear from parents who've got older kids, is that mm. kids just do it in their own they time. They really so. do. Jolly, our son, took forever. And I think all his mates were cycling before him. But he was just, you know, in his own time, and it was completely fine. But I do remember the day that we all went out on bicycles together. Wow. First time ever. It was just the swell of pride and enjoyment you get of being able to do a group activity where you're all equally participating and buzzing for their own love of it. It was down in Cornwall. It was doing something really, really basic. We'd all rented bikes to do a route from a place called Weybridge to Padstow and then have fish and chips. And that was the promise. It was, I think it's seven miles there and seven miles back. So yeah. I said, Jolly, you're going to be on a bicycle. Quite hilly though, isn't it? It's flat. Oh, it's, okay. it's a bicycle trail that's laid for tourists. It's, it's perfect. Except there are lots of dogs wandering around, so you can have a few sort of moments of collision, <laughs> which did actually happen on the day. But I remember there were tears streaming down my face, and they were saying, why are you crying? I said, but we're all on bicycles together. And there was Jolly. I made sure I was at the back of the crew. Jolly was weaving all over the place. like a. You know, How old were, was the youngest one? So Jolly was eight, I think. Right. Eight, maybe coming on nine. And he cycles all the time. He loves it now. But that was his moment. He really was like, I'm going to do it. I'm gonna do it. He was absolutely mm. working. I've got video footage of him driving around my parents' lawn and then straight into a rose bush. <laughs> so many times. And his little Aww. face was rigid with concentration. But he got it. But it was what he wanted to do in his own time. Brilliant. And it was, it, was it was fine. And that's the thing about cycling. This isn't the cycling yeah. podcast. Uh, but it often goes back to cycling because people love cycling yeah and a lot of the people i know love cycling because cycling is such a joyful independent thing to do it's it, an independent i think it's a, for a kid it's the first taste of being yeah. mobile and independent from your parents yeah definitely and it's you know fantastic for them i'm you know getting very excited just looking behind us there's a plant called verbena boreal forget the name but we grow it for bees and butterflies. Oh, yeah. And, and it's literally... Look at the butterflies. Can you see them? Wildlife oh, wow. going on all around. There is. I should feel like I should get some foley sound of the butterflies flapping their wings, but I don't think the iPhone will stretch to that. Uh, my dog, Lily, is now lying on her back growling uh, at your dog who is sniffing her and this has pretty much been the sort of ballet they've been playing for the last couple of hours um, it's very precocious from both of them isn't it actually it's um there you go. it's very sexy for a couple of ladies why not yes. um right on that note 
Um, we're going to say bye to the doggy. He's going to have something to eat yeah. and actually continue <laughs> to finish the podcast. And you go, well, see you then. Whatever. You've got to eat. Yeah, wait. managed to guess on. Good. Well, thank you very much for, um, for having me. Oh, it's been a pleasure, Nick. Real pleasure. I'm so glad the weather turned out right because it would have been inside around the table freezing our asses off. Cool. All right. Bye, podcasties. Never know what to say at the end of these things. Ta-ra. Wasn't that great? I hope you thought it was great. I thought it was great. Um, got a bit lost there on the whole luck, make your own luck thing. Um, but I guess that's real talking and thinking, innit? Because sometimes you get a bit lost. But um, brought it back eventually. Um, really hope to spend more time chatting to Anna. Uh, geographically, a little bit tricky. Um but uh, what a cool person. Uh, you might be thinking, why on earth would we talk to a woman when we don't make women's jackets? Um, because she's a person. And this is all about uh, exploration. Exploration involves lots of different people, lots of different opinions uh, and places in the world and just mainly just interesting, nice people. And that's what she is. So uh, thank you very much to David as ever for um, his editing and production skills. Um, and thank you very much for listening please do share this podcast if you enjoyed it that would be lovely Uh, give a review if you liked it maybe don't review if you didn't like it but that's probably a bit naughty you should review it anyway Uh, and I'm rambling I've been Nick Hussey I still am Nick Hussey goodbye goodbye